Hello and welcome to the Performance Audit Report. I'm Yusuf Muller. I'm Conor McGarity. Today we're going to talk about monitoring the status of audit recommendations, so that's follow-up audits in simple speak. Of course, all audit officers would have an approach or multiple approaches to conducting follow-ups, but these range in the nature of them and the scale at which that sort of work is done, from ongoing monitoring that relies on various mechanisms, including management submissions, all the way to full-scale follow-up audits with quite significant levels of testing. And so this episode is about explaining what we're seeing across those various types of follow-ups. As an audit office, you're obviously doing it already, but it doesn't hurt to see what others are doing and how they're doing it. We're going to talk through eight items today. Some of them will overlap. For each of these, we'll have an associated blog article that will have examples and links to the examples of the categories that we're talking about We're not going to talk too much about examples just to keep it fairly brief, but the written article will have the examples that support each of these categories that we're speaking about. The first of those is where a program or a service may be new or maybe immature, and sometimes with the first order that we do, we can't actually go into all of the aspects of the activity in terms of our evaluation because there isn't much to evaluate. We've seen cases like this where the audit office conducts an initial review and as part of that initial review, they see very significant risks associated with that program or that activity. And so they then take a view that they're going to be conducting follow-up work where the follow-up work is not just following up on initial recommendations, but is then going to delve into the way in which those findings have been implemented because at the beginning, there isn't much to review. So... It is a bit of a special case. It's not the same as most follow-ups that we do. They will include both the follow-up of the original high-level findings and then further work that was not included in the initial audit, but that would be needed in order to come to a conclusion for that topic and, more importantly, identify where there may be further risks or opportunities associated with that topic. Category two, pretty clear-cut here, and this is where our follow-up audit is another reasonable assurance audits, so similar to our our initial performance audits. Some jurisdictions or offices call them follow-on audits. We got a significant level of evidence gathering and testing. Why would we do another follow-up audit off the same topic that we've already done a previous performance audit on? There's a few reasons. Number one, there may be a perceived lack of improvement by the entity or in the activity since the original performance audit was completed. Number two, Maybe the public interest is so high in this particular activity that a full audit is required. An example might be where the activity relates to public safety or a particularly vulnerable or at-risk group of people. And another example is where the original audit identified issues that were so profound or would take some time, maybe passage of years to improve, that it's really prudent to make sure that improvements are progressing as intended So do we need to tell the parliament or the community whether the entity's on the right track or at least alert them to a lack of progress just because of the significance of the issues? Alternatively, it could be a combination of these elements that really determines that to do this properly, we need to do a full uh, reasonable assurance follow-up. Following on from that, some audit offices also conduct what are known as sunset reviews. These reviews evaluate whether a program or agency should continue to exist or continue to exist in its current form. They're sometimes standalone and sometimes form part of broader performance audits. 
Sunset reviews may be included in the legislation that's established an entity or agency or function in the first place. These are not done by all audit offices, but you do see them from time to time. And the sunset reviews sometimes do include follow-up. Okay, the next two are kind of linked. So this is a slightly lower level of assurance or lower level of work than reasonable assurance. And some jurisdictions call this limited assurance reviews. So some audit offices are able to and then choose to conduct some of the audits as limited assurance reviews. Now, there's several factors that go into that decision about whether to conduct full audits or limited assurance audits. Also, legislation, other standards, uh, and those factors. Something that's worth noting here is the conclusions to such reports can take several forms again, and this will depend on the style that the audit office prefers or the relevant audit standards that are used. One type of conclusion that we see in Australia in particular takes the form Nothing has come to our attention that a relevant department has not responded to the recommendations. And then we'll talk about the specific recommendations that have been implemented. And then they'll go on to say accept and then talk about the recommendations that have not been progressed well or have not been implemented. So that's almost a a negative type statement. So as opposed to the auditee has done all of these things, this will become nothing has come to our attention that the auditee hasn't done any of these things. And there's a few examples like that. Sometimes the follow-ups include what are referred to as limited document reviews. So they may not be limited assurance reviews as such, but there are documented limitations around how much of documentation was reviewed as part of that audit. Category four then, which like I said, is similar to category three. These are other follow-up reviews. So in some cases, the underlying work that was conducted may have been conducted as an audit. Most audit officers do conduct the majority of their work in quite a bit of detail, but the report won't say this, and how it's reported depends on the methodology that the audit office follows. So, you know, this is, for example, when audit office conducts follow-up procedures with or without the public report, but the audit office decides that they will not conduct this as an audit, but still want to conduct some procedures to confirm the status of the implementation. And again, You know, this may take all sorts of forms, including interviews, documentation, review of other available evidence, often with a public report, but not necessarily conducted as an audit as such. Moving on to category five, looking outside performance audit, the role of our financial audit colleagues to help us. Audit offices may rely on their financial auditors to monitor the implementation of performance audit recommendations. And this is beneficial for various reasons. Firstly, it's efficient in that the financial auditors may be on site at the client anyway as part of their ongoing role, so they can help follow up while there. They also have a direct line of sight and can report back progress into our office rather than, for example, us having to send a small performance audit team to follow up on recommendations or what's happening. And thirdly, it's really beneficial to the financial auditors themselves to help them understand changes and improvements that come from our performance audit recommendations because they need to be aware of this anyway as part of their own annual planning. So really important role there that financial auditors can play in following up. Sticking with others outside of our performance audit team takes us to number six. And there is a role for internal audit as part of follow-ups and following up on our performance audit recommendations. Some audit offices rely a lot on internal audit to take carriage of follow-ups and report the implementation status back to us in the audit offices. In some cases, the audit offices publish this as such. 
that's to say a report that clearly indicates that internal audit did the follow-up. In other cases, the audit office does not produce a discrete report, but maybe collates the information into a follow-up dashboard or some sort of repository that we can show externally. So similar to internal audit following up, sometimes we have management that provides submissions directly. So where management directly report to the audit office on the status of implementation of recommendations. So this is where essentially they're not going through internal audit, but just doing it directly. There are some audit offices that have set up portals that departments and agencies can use to effectively continuously record the status of implementation of individual recommendations. In other cases, management provides status updates at some sort of regular interval, so maybe twice a year through other mechanisms like submissions via email or some sort of other more formal documentation. It could just be a a formal letter that's sent in some cases. And then the audit office may then determine which of the items, if any, to conduct more detailed work on. And sometimes that goes to limited assurance, sometimes reasonable assurance, like we said. And then the last, not category as such, but one thing that we are seeing more and more of is publicly available dashboards and repositories. So through several of the mechanisms we've spoken about already, audit offices compile information about the status of implementation of recommendations across prior audits and then make these publicly available. So we've already spoken about in a previous episode publicly available dashboards and repositories. Just to reiterate, some of those dashboards will have interactivity. So you have graphs and charts alongside tables that allow you allow the public to see what's going on in terms of implementation of recommendations and that uh, helps to hold departments and agencies to account by increasing transparency of the status of those implementations. In some cases, audit officers will combine follow-up reports so they'll have an annual follow-up report but also some sort of online database or dashboard or repository that the public can see. So multiple different angles. Another benefit of public-facing dashboards too is that it keeps the recommendations alive in that people have visibility over them and it's not just when a report's delivered or tabled in the parliament or the legislature that it's an ongoing live issue until such times as the audit office is satisfied that the recommendation has been fully implemented. So really good strategy there for making sure that the rubber hits the road. This is a short episode. We're going to conclude on that. Just to reiterate, there's quite a few ways in which information is collected by audit officers following up on the status of implementation of prior audit recommendations. And then again, there are various ways in which that information can be produced for public consumption, reports, dashboards, etc. As we said, this episode will have an accompanying um, article. So there'll be more information and examples for each of these categories. Thanks, Joseph. Thanks, Connor. The Performance Audit Report is produced by PA Reports, the Performance Audit Research Division of Risk Insights. PA Reports helps streamline and accelerate your performance audit research, bringing to you relevant insights that can help your audit get off the ground faster.